Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. I'm excited to be sharing the series that we're in because it's what the Holy Spirit said we most need. What it does is when when we learn about the kingdom of God, it turns our eyes to the king. It teaches us what kind of king we have. This is not, we don't live in a kingdom that is a democracy. We live in a kingdom that has a king over all. Now, understand this as I teach this series, you're in two realms. You live in a physical realm. We have a physical government. But we serve a king, and our king has the name above every name. That means when it comes down to it, every limit is broken on our lives because we serve a king. Now, when we have knowledge of the king, that's one thing. That's good. But when we know the king personally instead of knowing about him, that is better. When we know him well, that is best. That means we know how he thinks about things. We know how to live in a way that's pleasing to him. And there's something wonderful that happens in your life when you know you're pleasing the master. Your faith is enlarged. When our faith is great in the king, the king is paying attention to the things that we need and the things that we desire to bring them into our lives. And what we learn to do is we learn to listen for the seed of that. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit today because Jesus said in in the Gospels that if we understand this one parable we will understand all the parables. The one is the key to the rest. Well, Jesus taught in parables as a way of introducing the kingdom of God. That's why it's important to understand particularly Mark 4, why Jesus was teaching his disciples, if, you, if we get revelation on what it means in Mark 4, we will get revelation on the rest of the parables and we'll understand what it is to live in the kingdom of God because we'll understand what kind of king we have. We'll understand what his priorities are. Understand this about living for the king. We represent him. To the degree we choose to represent him is the very degree our faith will work. I shared a clue in in, in offering time when when people have come to me and one of the things I've heard most commonly from Christians who have fallen out of fellowship is I tried that Bible stuff and it didn't work for me. Well, there's a reason it didn't work. It doesn't work because we want it to or we just say it out of our mouth. We have to have a heart for the king. Understand that there are powers in this world against the king, against his kingdom, and that pits them against you. We have an enemy called the devil who has a hierarchy working for him to try to interrupt kingdom business. Why? The king is going to take the earth back. That's what the Bible teaches, and the enemy doesn't want to give it up. So we are in the clash of the kingdoms if ever there has been a time on the earth where they're clashing. It's happening now. That creates a pressure to decide what allegiance you will have. If our allegiance is to the king, then we have to understand our allegiance is also to his kingdom. That's to his people. That is to his values. That is to his goals. 
And when we understand what those things are and we submit to them, then the king can get through to us what we need and what we desire. When people pray for their needs or their desires to be met, it isn't just in sowing a financial seed. It's sowing the seed God needs to produce that. What do we yield back to his kingdom? If I want greater cooperation from God in my life, I will plant, I will, I will put to death the stubbornness in me. I'll stop that. And I will plant some cooperation seed. God, I'll do this for you, and I know you're going to be in greater cooperation in my life. You say, really? Yeah. The, the king is not obligated to serve those who say they know the king. The king is obligated to serve those who he knows and who know him. Jesus gave several examples in, in the scriptures that he even said, depart from me. In one case, I never knew you when somebody knew him, but he didn't know them back. Understand we're, we're in a relationship where if you want the devil to give way to your prayer of authority, you must first yield to Jesus' prayer of authority and bow your knee to the Lord Jesus. I'll say it this way. If you want this world to bow its knee to you and you to have favor, then you'll bow your knee to Christ first. Why? Our only claim to kingdom benefits is because we serve the king. In a true kingdom, you, you bow, you give homage to the king to say, I'm here to serve you. My life serves you. Now, in the United States, generations ago, people understood that because most people came from nations that had kings. So they got away from earthly kings who weren't always looking out for the best interest of those who served in the kingdom. And they wanted to get out from under that kind of authority, so they came to the USA. Over time, a rebellion developed and an attitude of entitlement developed in a nation without a king, and we lost touch with what it means to serve a king. We have to get back in touch to, to understand what it means to serve King Jesus. He loved us and gave his life for us. His love was so complete, he's the easiest person to serve you will ever encounter. And what he's looking for is for us to bow our knee to him and recognize, you, sir, are the highest authority in my life. Jesus taught his disciples, if we've seen Jesus, then we've seen the Father. So if we see Jesus right, our attitude will be changing. We will come back in line with recognizing if we're not careful our own ideas of our rights and what we're entitled to in the natural realm will come into the spiritual realm and we'll end up doing without. When anybody comes to Jesus with an entitlement attitude, they don't love him first. They love what he can give them first. And what we have to do for, to think right in the kingdoms, root all of that out. You know, I've heard so much teaching through many, many years uh, of, of prosperity that was a little bit skewed. Just it was over and over and over again, give and it shall be given. That's true, but there's something more Jesus is talking about when he said that. He's talking literally about love in that passage to begin with as the basis of everything. If we give our love to God, we're going to get his love back. If we give whatever we give into the unseen realm, we're going to get a harvest back. 
Our least concern, not our most, is finances. The kingdom of God's not driven by finances. Or we would see a whole different, very clear teaching from Christ Jesus. But our finances can become blessed. Why, finances are a thing of this world. And if we want to see God bless our finances, then we sow it into the kingdom of God, our tithe, and it blesses the rest. Our offering, and it opens up God's ability to get us our desires. At the close of this service, Pastor Paul and Tiffany are going to be in the altar at my request. I'm going to be at the back to catch people before they get away so I can see the white of their eyes because I don't always get to see that. I'm going to connect with people. But there's something more we're doing at altar time. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, tell the people this. If you're believing God for a car or a better vehicle or a house or a better house, there, there's, there's something we can, we can pray. You, you, what you do is you give God what you have now and call it His instead of yours and then watch heaven work on your behalf. Use your car for some kingdom business. Bring somebody to church with you. That'll sanctify what you've got, and you'll get better. I know we're in this, this not supposed to have people over. I'd find a way to bless out of your house. Cook something and carry it out, if nothing else. Do something and sanctify that house to kingdom use if you want better. Understand that the only thing Jesus uh, taught more, or he taught the kingdom the most. He taught stewardship second that, that was the second most common thing he talked about in his ministry that we have recorded so if kingdom is number one and stewardship is number two we want to pay attention to those two things why those two things determine what our future what the limits are on our future as far as god's concerned because we create the limits that's what the scripture teaches the conventional mind says that makes no sense the unseen realm is unseen don't expect it to make sense up front. The unseen realm requires faith. The, the, the realm of, of, of God's spirit where God is is unseen. You've not seen him, yet you love him. You've not seen him, yet you trust him with your eternity. You've not seen him, but you believe that he died for your sins. He rose from the grave. You didn't see his resurrection, yet we, we bank everything on that. That in the end, his resurrection happened, and he's going to resurrect this old body and get me to heaven. He's going to do that. The Scripture teaches that. Understand something about the Scripture. If we're going to adopt part of it, we need to adopt all of it. And then it changes our thinking, our way of thinking. So, so today in the altar, there will be prayer, and it will be a prayer of agreement for vehicles or houses. You say, well, Pastor, it's hard to find a house. I, I, I know there's less for sale in Gibson City than ever since I lived there. Well, I watch the housing market all the time. It's just something I like doing. And uh, there are people wanting to come to Gibson. That's a great place to live. I live there. We live there. But Lucinda and I have seen through the years God move in unusual ways. I remember getting ready to go to Bible school, and I, I didn't have a car yet. I prayed about getting a car. It was three weeks later somebody gave me a car. The title, the car, the everything, it's a great car. And they were sowing into spiritual things. They were sowing into my Bible training, future that person is here in the church, has always been in this church for years and years and years and years. And I, I won't share why. They did it in secret. God blessed them in return. So there's an unusual precedent there. I recognize that, that when I've experienced something God's done for me, I want to share that with everybody. I want everybody to have that opportunity. Particularly if you're sanctifying something to God's use, your faith will increase to receive it. Why? You recognize something. 
it's not really mine, it's really his. And if you'll begin to adopt that thinking about most everything, you're going to find God getting involved in your most everything. If you look for a sanctified use for your household other than just being in it, God will sanctify the house and the stuff in it for his use. Now, Lucinda has better stories than I do about that. She'll have hundreds of them, literally, because God's done that again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And uh, why? He loves doing things for those who serve him. And when we serve him, Scripture says, Jesus said this, the one that serves the master, him will the father honor. So how does God do that? He increases our life so that we can increase in service. If you're looking for increase not connected to service, you will not receive it from God. You're only kidding yourself because that's what the Bible teaches, okay? So even when we're giving our money, we want to recognize we're asking God to position us to serve him more. That's what that's all about. And what does he do? He will increase, multiply the seed sown. So as you give it, as it's dropping into the plate, he's calling it multiplied. See, that's supernatural. We can't see that happen. We just have to choose to believe it's happening. If you say, well, I don't believe that, then it won't happen for you. <laughs> see, the whole kingdom of God is based on believing, which we call faith. Faith in him, faith in his word, faith in his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and to, to help us make the right decisions so those things can happen. Well, that's a good introduction for today. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. That's the kingdom way. Seek him and his kingdom, and he will take care of the addition. How does God add? He multiplies in the process. He likes to do things that you can't say was not him. He likes to prove to you he's in your stuff. He's in your business. He's in your thing. And here, here's how we know. He's increasingly in our thoughts, and then it comes out in our words. I'm trusting God for that to happen. He likes us to give the testimony as we go before it even manifests because that's who we serve. He's a faithful God. See, we understand that faithfulness manifests because we call him faithful. When we call him faithful, that faithfulness comes back. Why? We're sowing faithful seed with our words. My God is faithful always to perform his word in my life. Faithful always to perform it in my life. What am I doing? I'm sowing word seed into this old atmosphere that doesn't want that to happen, to break the power of the devil in this earth so that God can be faithful in my life. And I say it and say it and say it where if you hear me, you would wonder what happened to him lately. No, I'm forecasting what's coming. Why? He's faithful to do all of his word and he never changes his mind. So what do I do? I think about what's in his word. What's he say in there? And how can I apply that to my life? It's kind of like planting the harvest you want by choosing what you think about and what you say. If I do, and I probably will do a little garden this year, we don't need one. We put up so much stuff, but I like fresh things all the time. 
So I'm thinking, what do I need to do to produce that? And, and if I can't produce that, Ben will produce that for me. <laughs> I have discovered that's up and running and going to happen. So maybe I will just let Ben produce that for me this year because he's doing it anyway. But we, 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 we learn to think about and plan and forecast what we want. Here's what will, will be such a help to you this year. The world wants to pretend everything is going to turn down and put the clamp down on everything. The kingdom of God says whatever's going on in that realm does not determine your future. What's happening between you and the master determines your future. And if we adopt that as truth, because it is the truth, the truth will outweigh the facts of whatever is happening or the trends that are happening in the earth. When you see something trending, you think, oh, this is going to change the way everybody lives. Go back and look at the truth of God's Word and say, oh, that's my trend. I'm going there. God never runs out. So much so he said the earth will never run out of whatever we need while we're here. We don't need to be freaking out about the earth. God created it to last for us. He also put everything here and he owned it. So what happens when we, when we begin to live by faith, we say, no, 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 the devil isn't going to hold back what opportunities are mine because I served the king like it was supposed to be from the beginning. And if I serve the king, he's going to watch out for me. His decree over me is one of love. His decree over me is one of selflessness. That's why he gave his life on the cross for me. His decree over me is resurrection life in a dying world. He will bring new life to me. And we learn to think about those things, and our whole attitude improves. Yeah, attitude's real important. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4 this morning. The kingdom of God requires a blind investment. There's some things I'm going to teach you and tell you that at first you'll think, I don't know if I like hearing this. Well, you, you, you have to hear it to make some decisions. And I think if you hear enough, you'll go, oh, now I understand how the kingdom of God works. If you don't understand how it works, you won't know how to interact with the king. <laughs> you can study the kingdom and you'll understand better our king. Our king has an agenda. Our king has objectives. Our king has desires that are on his heart. This will be a key for you this year. The kingdom of God, your understanding of interacting with it, this year is more about giving the king what he wants than going after what you want. If you'll go after what the king wants, you're going to get what you want. So, Pastor, how can you say that? Jesus taught it. And he taught it at the beginning of his ministry to try to put a church in motion that would have right priorities. So what's happening, what I believe is the end of the age, he's trying to restore right priorities. What does he do? We, we get a hold of that by hearing his word and saying, that's the highest authority in my life. And many times God's word will displace something else you've adopted as an authority. It may be what you think. It may be what you've been taught. It may be how you feel. If you want to receive healing, then you begin to displace your doubts with words of faith. You begin to speak to your body to be healed and whole in Jesus' name instead of looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I look bad today. Oh, I look sick today. I don't feel good today. When you let those I don't feel good words out, you cap them off with kingdom words, but by Jesus' stripes I am healed. 
and I'm not ruled by my feelings. I'm ruled by the king, and the king says, this is my truth. And he begins to change things. Now, here, here's something to watch out for. The world values information. So much so that, that they present it all as truth, and you know everything you hear cannot be truth. You read somebody's Facebook, everything that you're seeing there is not necessarily truth. Somebody's presenting it as truth because they want to believe it's truth, and they've adopted it as their truth, even if it's not true for them, because it makes them look good. This is a world about looking good. God is a kingdom about making good. He wants to make good on all of his promises, and how do we do that? We make our heart right with him, and he can make good on his promises. When, when you're, you're being saturated with information, you'll have difficulty embracing God's truth because you have too much of everything else going on in your head. So we have to keep coming back to God's Word and saying, I'm going to think about this for the next 20 minutes while I'm driving my truck. I'm going to think about this for the next 30 minutes while I'm eating my lunch. I'm going to think. And we choose to meditate on the harvest we want to receive and how to please the king in that. So if you're wanting a harvest that doesn't involve the king, you're going to have to get it in the natural world. But if you've involved the king in his priorities, he will break through the resistance to cause this natural world to cooperate with you like Adam and Eve had cooperation in the Garden of Eden before sin. They named the animals. They, named, they told everything what it would produce, what its character would be like. We become more like that in our prayer life. I've had non-Christians who I've prayed with say to me, you tell God what to do. I said, no, I remind him of what he told me he will do. That's, that's, but it, at first blush, it sounds like we're, we're a little bit too confident. Now, when we know our king and we know his nature, we know what he will do, and our prayer becomes a forecast more than a request. When you're really living in the kingdom, you begin to more prophesy what's going to come because you know you're king, and it's not some difficult, ethereal thing where God whispers in. You just know certain outcome because you know you're king. See, when we know our king, our, our level of authority changes, and we have a much greater confidence. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, though our outward man is perishing, talking about this body, Yet the inward man, my spirit, is renewed day by day, and my spirit can work on my mind and help it be transformed. So then we don't look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things not seen. Well, how do you look at something that you can't see? Do you ever wonder about that? Yet that's what we do if we're going to live by faith. We learn to look at things not seen. I've learned how to do that. I think it. Why? I'm seeing it in my thought life. I'm seeing the, the vehicle or the house. Why are you on that today? Because the Holy Spirit told me to be on that today. There's ways to get God's best without paying earth's highest price. And see, that's, God's always in it to show you he can do something the world can't do. That's what today is really about. He has something that you can't see that is better than what you can see. And he has that in everything, every time, if we learn to look at the things that are not seen. That means we look to our king that we can't see, and we say, I know you can do me one better, and I'm going to trust you. 
I know where they say there's no house in my price range. You're going to produce it, and it's going to be exactly what I'm asking for instead of something less that I'm going to have to work on 25 years to get it decent again. Well, he's in that business of proving himself real. That's what he wants to do. And here's, here's what you do if you, you don't exactly know how to do that. You envision what is God wanting from you in that. How can you make that house, that vehicle, how can you consecrate that to the master? Say, why is that important? Because he serves his kingdom. Jesus is servant of all. Who is he serving? He's serving those in the kingdom, not those who have wishful thinking. When we have wishful thinking, that's greed. The Bible says it turns into lust of other things. He's not going to serve lust of other things, but he will serve somebody loving him. He will serve us loving him with specific expression. I'll let you think about it. We look at the things not seen because the things which are seen are going to burn up anyway. They're temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. So if I'm going to get a house and when God recreates the earth, it's going to burn up anyway. How do I make it eternal? It's what I do with that house. It's who I serve from that house. It's what everybody knows about the people that live in that house. They love God, and they go to that church. They talk the Bible all the time. You know, they pray for you about anything. I hear that about our church. They'll pray for anything. Call those people. Well, if you know the master, you know how to pray for anything, see? We, we, we serve the king. What does that do? That, that starts to identify who doesn't know the king. Why well, We're not afraid to talk to our king. Jesus came to live in us one-on-one. -on -one. That's what he wants. He wants personal possession, but we have to give it to him. He won't take it. He asks for it. Now, we can experience a full kingdom conversion. And I, I want to say today, I, I, I titled it, The Required Kingdom Conversion. It's required that we change our way of thinking if we want God's benefits. It's a requirement Whenever you're seeing a prayer regarding your life unanswered, understand this. There's something you've got to change in your thinking. There's something you might need to address in your priorities. I know sometimes when, when people get older, they say, well, I'm, you know, I've done all my serving to the Lord. Well, then why stay? You know, I don't believe that's true for a minute. Why? He's constantly renewing our mind to what's next and what's more. I was blessed today. If you came in early and were a part of coffee hour, you saw Danishes, homemade Danish by Larry Moser, our own Chicago-trained pastry chef. Thank you, Larry. Where is there? He's back there. He is back there in his normal place. Those should all be gone before I leave here. I'll eat three more, so go eat them. But why would that bless me? We give God something. We look for a way to interact with his kingdom in a way that will bless his people and Larry's older than he looks. He's past retirement age, but he can still bake anything. So what do you do? I, I found out how this happened. He just kind of pushed into Miss Clara. Tell me about that. What's and, and he offered to, to bake. I wasn't even in the middle of that. Thank you. It's especially great when pastor's not even in it. Somebody just wants to step up. And I know he didn't do that for show, and he probably doesn't even like me talking about him, but I'm doing it to bless the Lord Jesus. It's an, it's an example of just... How, how we, we look for something. What is a way that I can sow into the kingdom? Say, so, well, that's, that's just Danish. 
No, that Danish came to serve the, the king somehow, you see, and, and to bless his people. So whenever we are looking for things like that to do, we begin to become more faith-filled for a return. And Larry didn't do it for a return, but God will bless a return on Larry and Joanne as a result. Why? It's loving God's people, and he gave us that commandment to love him and love his people. Well, that's doing both whenever we do anything in the kingdom of God. Whenever you're having a down day and this world seems to get to you, plug into the kingdom and do something. Do something in the kingdom. What it is it? It breaks off that oppression that tries to get on us. This whole season has been about oppressing people. Not just the people of God, but especially the people of God. How do we break that? Not by having tanty fits or demonstrations. We do that by putting faith in the king and saying, King, I serve you, and you're going to make order come into my life again. You're going to make right come into my life again because I choose your righteousness. I don't have to spout my own off why I'm deserving or why I'm good as a Christian. I know you are defending me, so I stand with you. And what happens is that oppression will have to go, and you'll have a, you'll have a, a right focus again that can be faith-filled. Otherwise, your faith is going to start to suffer. You're going to start to feel like, I don't know, anything I do is making any difference in this life. Everything you do will make every difference if you're connected to the king. Why? This is how God does things now, by his spirit, but through his people. Everything. Now, he said unto them, this is still Mark 4, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. In other words, he has presented us a way to know how the kingdom works. When I look at my Bible, I take this seriously. and I say, okay, there is a way, anything written in here that God said he wants to do for me, there is a way for me to interact with him that makes it happen. He said, I would understand the mystery of the kingdom. That means not everybody's going to understand it. So occasionally I meet somebody that's just, they just don't want to see it. They can't see it. Well, I don't know where you're getting that from. Why you think God would do that for you? I said, because I know my king. <laughs> if I know my king, Jesus said, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom, didn't he? Well, we need to find out what are those. What are those keys and what do they open? What do they unlock? And we're talking about that. Understand the, the kingdom of God is an unseen realm. It requires that we trust God that it's happening even though we can't see it. The closest most Christians come is they, they use the phrase behind the scenes. Well, so and so and so and so, they were working behind the scenes so that could happen. Well, God's got one better. He's working in the unseen. And understand the unseen realm is where God is and where his word came out to create all of this in the first place. The man who created it can direct it. The God who created, I better not say man, although Jesus is a man too. When he put it in motion, he can restore motion. He can bring pro-motion. He can bring any kind of motion to get you in touch with what he intended for you in the first place. But it has to be that we have our heart to what he intends in the first place. We are to be his servant sons, servant daughters. And I put the servant word first because in our culture, that's been taken away. And people just want to think, I'm a son and daughter of the king. Therefore, I get this and this and this. Good luck with that. Because that's the attitude that sees no reward. 
the attitude that sees rewards as servant first, son next. What will happen when you get to heaven, it'll flip, son first, but always serving. Here we have to see ourselves to have the right attitude as serving him first. Now, I'm going to touch on the parable of the sower, but that's not the sermon. That'll be a sermon, sermon for another day or several days. The sower sows the word. The unseen realm has preeminence. It's in charge. God's realm is in charge when we bring him into first place. Understand why this doesn't work for some people. God's not in charge of anything. Jesus isn't Lord of anything. They are Lord of everything themselves. The greatest problem with most Christians not seeing God answer prayers, Jesus isn't Lord of what they're praying about in the first place. They are their own Lord. They want what they want their way on their schedule and for their own reason. Well, that isn't Jesus is Lord. That is, I am personally my own Lord. That gets people in trouble. So what's he say when we get right perspective and we make him Lord of that part of our life? You want your money blessed? Make him Lord of your money. You want the house to change, the car to change, the job to change, have your own business? Make him Lord of that. What does it mean? You look for how are you going to serve the kingdom with that? And when you do, it becomes kingdom property, and God takes care of kingdom stuff. He's interested in empowering his kingdom in the earth, not just people to do their thing. Now, the sower sows the word. What do we sow the word? Into the unseen realm. As I, I'm preaching today, it's going into you. Down inside of you, I can't see what's going on. I can imagine. I can imagine for, for some, it's like, Lord Jesus, please let me get a hold of this. Others are saying, tell me more, tell me more. Others are kind of, you know, maybe asleep. Hopefully nobody is. Haven't seen it happen yet, but I, I, I do see when the head does that, I usually catch it even when it's way back there. So if you're going to fall asleep, you know, brace your head first so I don't see it or notice it. Because I'm about to break all the rules and start walking again because I miss that. See, I like, I like walking around. And anyway, the sower sows the word. Understand I'm not the only sower in your life. I'm just one. You need to be a sower of the word. If you really want to interact with the master, you'll, you'll use your words to set things up for yourself and to set up others for blessing. Do you ever wonder why somebody says, God bless you? That's sowing something in the unseen realm, and it comes back. Now, so the sower sows the word into the unseen realm, but when some have heard, Satan comes immediately. Why, he hates the sower and the word. He wants to stop that action. When you start doing this, you'll think, I had every intention today of speaking this out and praying this out. Well, then stop everything and do that because all of your other efforts won't change your future as much as sowing God's word into your future. Why? As you're sowing it into the unseen realm, it's going into this unseen realm in your brain. God put it in there and we can't see in there, but we know when it's being transformed because what we just planted in there comes back again. When it comes time for the test, if it went in there, there can be a testimony. See? So what are we when we're sowing it out there in the unseen realm, it is also being sown in our soul. Our our thinking will begin to change. The sower sows the word, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word because they have no root in themselves. How do you get a root? You meditate on that. You pour it over in here. So I don't understand that yet, but I'm going to get an understanding. 
I don't quite know what that means or how I'm going to do it in my life, but it's going to come to me in due time. Why? When you meditate on that word long enough, the word will open up your thinking to see something that God wants you to see or needs to see. Now, some have no root in themselves. That's, that, that's why the word gets taken away. Satan takes it away because there's no root. They don't do anything with it. That's why so many times most people require hearing something again and again and again to get it. I've learned something about the Holy Spirit. If we become more sensitive to Him, He only has to tell us once. Anybody that teaches, don't you wish every kid got it that easy? Just say it once. Boy, you could, you could have a college degree by 10 years old if, if we got everything first time out. Understand how the kingdom works. It's designed to get it immediately. Whenever we don't, it's because we, we don't have faith to receive that way. I learned that over time the hard way. Now I get things more easily. Now, and some are choked out, nope, or when affliction and persecution arises. Why, well, it will happen, he said, when? When affliction or persecution comes, when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, when somebody's telling you you're crazy, when you've never had this experience and you don't know if it'll work for you, when affliction or persecution arises, immediately they're offended. Well, I know many, 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 many supposedly Christians who are living in an offended state. Why? They kind of stepped out a little bit, but they didn't change their way of thinking. They didn't really believe it. When you believe it, it talks to you. When you believe God's Word, it's up there and you hear it in your mind. You, you see one thing, you see with your eyes one thing, but you hear God's Word speaking out of the unseen realm of the other outcome. When you're looking for the house and there's none to be found, your heart, your mind, your soul still says, God's got a house for us and it's better than what we had hoped for. And you start saying that, what happens is the unseen starts coming out of your mouth. Why? It's in the unseen realm here, now it's going to come out. It isn't just... God doing something, he's changing the way we think so we're in agreement with God so it can come to pass and we begin to confess it with our mouth. See, there's a kind of confession that's empty and it goes nowhere because there's not been a change of heart yet. There's not been a change of mind. And I've seen many, many people try to do that. I'm going to name it and claim it, gospel. I'm going to say I want this and I'm going to claim it for mine and God's just going to give it to me. Good luck with that. That's not what he's talking about. That's fake human effort because of selfishness and lust. That's the thing he's saying will not work. What will work is I serve the king and I am in his kingdom. And this is how I can serve my master better. Then when he gives you what is intended to help you serve him better, be careful what you do with that. When he gives the return to you, be careful that you keep your commitment to him. Otherwise, what happens is you cut off that river of supply, and what worked last time won't work next time because you stopped where you were. God's progressive in His love for us. He wants us to keep experiencing Him working in our lives. Now, so offended, what happens when they're offended? They fall away. They step back. They dry up is what the Scripture says. Why? They took offense instead of making an investment in the king. See, the, the, the king has a fail-safe. If we don't love him, ain't going to happen. Why? He wants to invest his kingdom through the people who love him because that's who he is. He's love. And if we're not loving him, we will not love people no matter what we pretend or what we promise. 
If we love him, we're revealing to him we have the capacity to love people more like he does, and that's what he brings into our life, the ability, the capacity to love people better because we have proven that we love him. We've sown seed to him first. You know, I, many things I see in the, in, the, in the ministry line right now are designed to love people. That's great, but if you want supernatural return, you'll love him and find out how he wants to love people and do it his way. Then watch how he interacts with you. He will enrich you. You'll become his walking, talking pantry to help people. Why? It won't just be about practical things. There will be some spiritual good that you can bring and bring them into the kingdom. God's not entitlement-minded. He doesn't want people to rely on the kingdom as though we're slaves. He wants us to rely on the kingdom because we're sons and daughters, and that's where things begin to shift. We recognize I'm his agency in the earth. He wants to bless me because I have proven my stewardship to him. I'm in this for king and kingdom, then me. But I'm not first. That's why I said, seek ye first the kingdom. If we seek it first, we'll start to line up with it. Different way of thinking. It's going to challenge your lifestyle. It's going to challenge the way you think. It's going to challenge the way you were educated. Why? We are more educated to our rights than we are God's Word. And we need to go back and retool a little bit for the days ahead or we'll be disappointed. So I can, I can predict and say many in the body of Christ who think they're, they're sound with God are going, going to experience a season where it seems like nothing works in their favor and they're being taken down little by little by little. Why? It's because trying to get the kingdom without loving the king if we love the king, then he says the things will pursue us instead of us pursuing the things. That's a tough conversion, I'm just going to tell you. It takes a while to get your mind trained to think that way because we've been trained a whole lifetime to not think that way, you know, to, to be very careful and protective and defensive and watch out for self, watch out for self. God watches out for you when you are watching out for his kingdom. That's what the word teaches and if we don't believe it, it, it won't happen that way. See, now, Satan comes immediately to steal, and some are choked out by the cares of this world. He tells us what gets in the way. Just being too busy with everything else, that's what the cares of this world are. Things that you have to do, but they're not to be first. And the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, he's not saying don't have riches. You should expect to have some. That's God's plan. But not deceitful use of them. They're not, they're, they're not for you first. They're kingdom assets. Some of the most successful Christians I know, in fact, all of them that I know, have a consecration to God. God, whatever you give us, it really belongs to you, so you tell us what to do with that. It takes a little while to get your mind wrapped around that because our first thought is, but wait a minute, God brought it into my life, and I worked hard. That's a big root in the world system. A consecrated thinking is, God, thank you for being merciful in my life and that I have something right now, but I want to consecrate it to you so that instead of relying on this world system, I can rely on your kingdom to take care of me because this world system wants to put a hook in what belongs to God right now. And God wants to say, no hook coming in. In other words, the world will increasingly want more out of you than it's supposed to get. And God wants to protect you from the spirit of this world. He calls it the spirit of mammon. What is that? It's understanding that riches rightful place. Don't be deceitful in thinking it belongs to you at all is the safest place. That's a deceit. Why? We either serve the king or we serve another master. Jesus said you only have two choices. 
There's Jesus, and there's this world and the God of this world, the little G God of this world. So what do we do? We've got to really understand and say, God, I'm willing for you to expose my heart and show me where I've had wrong thinking. Because I promise you, growing up in America in this last 50 years, if you've been here, it's about earning and seeing how much you can keep, and then uh, everybody wants to get their hook in. Now everybody wants to sell you stuff. I don't know how many times our phone rings a day. I don't know how in the world telemarketers got my cell phone. Well, I've never bought anything over that phone on purpose because once you do one, they all start getting your name. And I don't have a blocker, but I'm going to get a blocker. Why? I look at the number. I never heard of anybody in that area code. I don't even know where that is. And then I'll go online. Where is that? Hawaii. Nobody in Hawaii knows me. I know that already. So I'm thinking to myself, how did they? The world is out to get its hook in you. It's designed that way. The kingdom of God doesn't have a hook. It has a net. And you choose to swim into the net. Now, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things... And the word becomes unfruitful. What is it? That's the challenges of the seen realm. What does the devil try to do? He tries to get our eyes on everything but the kingdom of God. And if he has no other way to do it, he will just bring chaos into your life where you have to work through all this chaos. If I can just fix these 10 things, my life can get back to normal. That's the devil doing that. What is it? The kingdom of darkness trying to stop you from operating in the kingdom of light and get you so focused on this world that's what this whole COVID ruse was about. The enemy's design in it to get everybody's mind and focus on anything and everything but God and national unity, okay? There's, there's, there's a natural thing the devil's after, but he's after the kingdom first. He's after, can we break up God's people? Can we divide righteous relationships? Can we put people who don't spend, spend a lot of time together together till they're ready to kill each other? You know, why? the devil knows what kind of things to do. He knows how to bring chaos into normal. And, and if you know what I'm saying, it doesn't take a lot to inject chaos. Just one thing really go wrong in your little plan. I mean, if you're like me, I'm a bit of a planner. I have little notepads, and I'm writing down all my little stuff and my little plans. I don't like chaos thrown in the middle of my plan. I will come in early. We're going to cook some food Tuesday. I'm going to come in early and set up the kitchen before anybody gets in there because every other person that comes into that kitchen can represent chaos or order. So I'm going to establish the order before anybody gets in there. Then they can talk about anything and everything, and it won't throw me off while I'm measuring stuff and putting it in the bowls. See, you, you have something about you that recognizes chaos when the enemy's coming against you. And what do you do? You protect against it. How do we protect against it? We put order in our mind. God's order is this. God, I know right now is a little bit crazy, but I speak out of my mouth by the close of today. Everything will be in order and normal, and I'm not going to miss your heart today. I'm going to hear your heart today. Well, you can't control everything coming your way, but you can determine what the outcome is going to be. That's what it is to serve the king. We serve the king of order in a world of chaos. We're going to have a blend of two much of the time, but we can determine the outcome in the middle of chaos like Jesus calmed the storm. Say, yes, it's storming and it's rocking the boat, but peace be still. And the storm has to subside and our world can come back in order and the ship will get across the lake like it was first intended. Maybe five minutes late, but we're going to get there. That's who we serve now. And these are they that are sown on the good ground. What is the good ground? The unseen realm. You're a part of that. My faith is great this morning that as I sow this seed of God's word and it's going into your unseen realm in there and in here, 
that God's going to do something in you that you go, oh, I got it. I'm walking away with something I can use today. And you say, well, that hadn't happened for me yet. Start saying it out of your mouth. I'm walking away with something I can use today. Why? Jesus doesn't want to be Lord of your life to make him happy. He wants to be Lord of your life for you to be happy. That's what he's after. He knows the connection unlocks heaven into our life. He knows the connection brings revelation and understanding of God's word when we're doing something for him instead of just for ourselves. So the focus this year as you think about the kingdom is this. You're in it for what you can do for God first, not what he can do for you first. And if you will adopt that, your mind will begin to open up to think differently. And I'll tell you, if you don't do that, chaos will increase. Why? We're in a season of spiritual warfare like no other. There's pressures going on in the heavenlies. I don't have time to teach on that, but it's entirely scriptural and it's predictable. This whole season has been predictable, what was coming. Why? Jesus is going to return for his church and the devil doesn't like it, okay? If you don't understand anything about it, understand that much. And what's the devil trying to stop? The kingdom of God. Why? Jesus said, pray this way, way that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Well, God's got something in mind to deliver that's a bit of heaven for you. And the devil wants to stop it. If he can stop it here, he can stop it here. Now, they which were sown on good ground in the unseen realm are those that hear the word and receive it. When I'm hearing some, somebody preaching, I say right out loud, I receive that. I take that for me. Why? I know there's value in it. I might not know what it's going to do in my life, but I know there's value. I hear it and I recognize that's God's word. It has value for me. I'm going to receive that and then I can know what it is later. You know, pe people like to give preachers gifts, a little, little envelope and I have something stuffed in the card. I thank everybody the same way. I never know what it's going to be till I open it up. Why? There's a value attached to whatever's being said, whether it be words, whether it be money, whether it be a gift certificate, whether it be clothes or whatever people want to do. And you have that in your life. When you receive a gift, we receive it with gladness. Then when we open it, we go, oh, this is how it applies to my life. That's what it is to receive God's word. We don't just go with a closed envelope out of church, say, Pastor, that was a good sermon. I don't need to hear that. I, don't, I already know it's a good sermon. Well, it came from him. It didn't come from me. I'm just a delivery piece, and the delivery boy isn't being judged. The pizza that's being eaten is, okay? So eat the pizza. Don't, don't worry about the delivery boy. But understand, when you open God's word and you actually receive it, that's what you're doing. I'm finding value in this for me. This is what it can do in my life. Somebody gives you a, a, a gift card, an Amazon card. Well, it says it's worth 100 bucks or whatever it's worth, but it has a value when you apply the denomination to what you're, then all of a sudden there's the sweater, there's the whatever you're after. You, you, you're able to go on there and assign that value to something and that something gets delivered to your door in the blue van with the little little package or the box or whatever it is. And, and, and everybody's learned to look for the blue van. Have you not noticed? Sometimes in Gibson, there's four Amazon vans all at once in Gibson, little bitty Gibson. Why? People have come to recognize, I order it, it will come. The kingdom of God, I hate, I hate comparing kingdom of God to Amazon. Amazon's not. <laughs> but you believe God. He says it will come. You believe God and you apply the value of God's word to something, something comes your way. He said that would happen. He said that's how the kingdom of God works. Yet most Christians have more faith in eBay and Amazon than they do God's word. 
See, we, we have to wake up and recognize, wait a minute, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We need to be thinking differently. If he said it's coming from heaven, it's not limited to what I can see anyway. We're required to represent our master in this. That's a requirement. When it seems like the word doesn't work, I say, Lord, how can I better represent you? It may not be that I'm intentionally doing anything wrong. It may be that I'm just still ignorant to something. If you don't recognize that you have some ignorance in you when it comes to the kingdom, wake up. I still got some. I give that as an example. Why Every so often I'm looking at the scripture and go, I never saw that before. I never thought of it that way before. And then I have to work for a while. Why? I saw it some other way. And I have to work for a while in my mind to see it the way God does to be convinced. Why? We can be the most stubborn people in the world when we're not convinced. Why? We see something that is our reality until God convinces us he's got a higher reality. And until we see that in our mind, we're going to be limited to just what we see and what we feel. Now, John 12, 23, Jesus answered his disciples, say, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. This phrase leaps off the page at me today. Why? The hour has come again for Jesus to be glorified. Here's what he said, verily I say unto you, except a seed fall into the ground and die. What is that your old way of thinking? What is that? God's word going into the unseen realm? There's one seed that dies, it doesn't produce a harvest. That's the old way of thinking. What makes the old way of thinking die? The higher way of thinking. Remember when you, you were learning math, we have some great mathematicians in the church, I'm not one of them. But you learn the very, very basics. You, you learn how to add and subtract. Then pretty soon you find out there's a multiplication, and that usually comes pretty easy to people. But then there's a division, and, and I remember learning that thinking, how do you do that? How am I supposed to think to divide it by? Then it tells you here's 12 apples, and you need three groups. How many are in each group? Oh, that's division. Understand when it comes to spiritual things, we learn line upon line, precept or truth upon truth. Here a little and there a little, we gather information. And our way of living in the kingdom depends entirely on that gathering, what we take in. So when people say things like, I don't need fellowship, I don't need teaching, I don't need, they're not going to get God's standard of living in their life. He will not allow it. Why? He has requirements because we serve a kingdom and a king. And it is not a cafeteria plan. It is not electives. If you want what God promises, you do what he asks. That's simply how the kingdom works, okay? Now, the hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. What gives him glory when you have that kind of relationship with him? And we're living in the kingdom and we are walking, talking examples of Jesus in the earth? Now, verily I say unto you, except a seed fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. In other words, you're on your own. If we don't take God's word and change our way of thinking, he's saying we're on our own. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. What's that seed do? It goes in here and disappears. It's in our thinking and in our mind. But God's word goes in and what happens is something dies so that something can live. A new thought process brings something out. The old thought dies, the old way of thinking. It used to be very sickly. I will no longer be very sickly. I refuse to be. 
Why? I've got it in my thinking, and it took a long time. Jesus is my healer, and that includes me no matter what birth defects I had or predispositions to sickness. No matter what, what appetites I have, they can come under control. No matter what's happening in my family lineage and all the things that have come against family, it'll not come near this dwelling because God lives in this dwelling, and I call it His. And what do I do? Then I make it His. I make it more and more His as much as I possibly know how. And what happens? Healthfulness becomes mine. Now, I haven't exactly learned how to get control of aging yet because it says the body's going to one day die, but I'm working on that. Why? It says our youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, that, that, that's something good. I'm having mine, whatever that is. And then I looked what it was, and they pull all their feathers out and run around naked without feathers for a while. I thought, I don't need that, okay? That's not, <laughs> the eagle will go into hiding before he'll do that, all right? Now, he that loves his life shall lose it. This is our Lord Jesus. He that thinks he's got it all together and got it figured out in his mind, got a plan for everything. This speaks to me. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it into life eternal. In other words, we have a change of thinking. This is about me serving God, not about God serving me. This is about what God can do in a fallen world because he's a resurrected Lord. This is about my true authority and power source instead of me trying to do it hoping he'll help me. I know I'm doing his agenda and he will empower his agenda and he will bless me while he's empowering me. Now, when we bow our knee to Jesus, Satan bows his knee to us. I want to talk about authority for a minute. I'm introducing some concepts today on purpose. This is from Acts chapter 19. There were seven sons of Sceva. Sceva was a, a notable priest in the temple. They, they were in the old covenant, but they were hearing Jesus was going around casting out devils and setting people free. So these seven men decided they're going to go cast out devils. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but they'd heard about him. So they went out going to where the, the, the demon-possessed people were. Think of it this way, going into the same asylum to get everybody set free so they would come out. And then they would be famous, like Jesus' apostles were becoming famous because they were doing the works of Jesus. And what happened is they weren't connected to the king yet, but they wanted to do kingdom business. And the Bible says that the, 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 the devil's possessing people rose up and tore all their clothes off and sent them packing. And before they got away, the seven sons of, of Sceva heard the devils say, we know this one, we know that one, we know the apostles, and we know Christ Jesus, but... Who are you? It's not enough to know about Jesus. We have to know him, and he needs to know us. So what were the apostles doing? They were warning us, you don't just get it by association. You receive authority from the master because you're a part of his kingdom. And when we're a part of his kingdom, our life begins to be transformed, to think more and more about that, to be more and more a part of that. Most Christians, when they got shut up during this COVID thing, started out with great intentions. I'm just going to draw really near the Lord in this. But they turned on too much news. They got too caught up in every why. Why? We're in this world. It's the easiest thing in this world to tune in to what's going on in this world. And it has made it harder to tune in on what's going on in the kingdom. So unless we shut out a little bit of world, we're not going to get a bit of kingdom. We're only deceiving ourselves is what Scripture says. So what do we do? We wake up out of that slumber and say, I'm not doing that again. 
I'm going to be alert and I'm going to be alive unto God. And he's going to watch out for me. Now, when we produce, uh, we're to produce fruit for his kingdom. I'm going to close it with this thinking out of 2 Corinthians 9. He said, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which sows bountifully will reap also a bountiful harvest. I've heard that taught a zillion times about money. I'm going to tell you, it can apply to money, but that's not what it's first written for. If you sow bountifully to God's Word, if you put a lot of God's Word in you, you're going to get a harvest that's bountiful. If you don't go after much, you're not going to get much. You can be in the kingdom and live without any benefits. Why? Jesus is Savior. We'll go to the kingdom of heaven one day, but the kingdom of God in earth is his way of doing things and living with some heaven while we're on the earth. And we sow for that. This isn't about finances first today. This is about yielding to his lordship so that we are actually living in the kingdom. There are many people that have an area or two of life where he can be the king. I'll say it this way. Most Christians I know have areas where Jesus is Lord and have areas where Jesus is not. What this is about is making him Lord of all. When I was a young person, preachers preached this way. If he's not Lord of all, he's Lord of nothing at all. Well, that's one way of looking at it, but I have had another experience in that. I've made him Lord of my life bit by bit as I discovered how to do that. As I heard a new way of thinking from God's Word, I thought, I need to be like that. Why am I not like that? I need to be quick to obey God. Why am I so stubborn? And my parents would say, we didn't train you that way. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> Everybody has a stubborn bone. We, 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 we choose to apply it where we think we're in charge. When we're not careful to understand how to yield to God, we'll stay in charge of some things that he wants to be Lord of. In this season we're in, that'll get us in trouble. We want to let Jesus become Lord of more and more and more. It's a very ignorant prayer to just say, Jesus, you are Lord of all, because he's the one who decides he's Lord of all. But to pray this way, Lord Jesus, help me make you more Lord of my life, more Lord of all is an accurate prayer, and it never stops till we're in heaven. Then I think we recognize, oh, I had a little ways to go here. I could have done better. But while we're here, he wants us to have this one thing, a, a security and a satisfaction that we're yielding to him. It's a process. Salvation, the word literally means continually being saved. We're not just being saved from the powers that be in this world. We're being saved into a kingdom. We're being converted in our thinking to be more like God so that he can do what he wants to do have more of God in our life. That's what he's after. I want to pray with you before I have Pastor Paul come, and he'll close out and open the altar. But I want to pray for you today because God wants to shake up your future in this way. The, the, the world will be all about saying how much less and how everybody needs to sacrifice and make the difference for everybody else. That's man's way of trying to produce the kingdom. It's the best man can do is to try to figure out a way to control the flow of everything and make it equal and fair. God didn't set up his kingdom that way. He said the more we love him, the more he can love us.
that's the rule we need to be thinking about. That's the thing we need to be thinking about. Then whatever this world does, we become a little bit apart from that because we have a higher king and a higher kingdom. It doesn't mean we run around in revolt in this world. I'm not leading a revolt. I'm introducing a kingdom. I'm introducing God's way, his plan all along to redeem and restore. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for pr pr producing in us the heart to receive your word. Thank you for stirring us up in that direction. Heavenly Father, we're, we're a part of a kingdom higher than this world, and we're learning to see into the unseen, to look to the unseen. That's a great demonstration. That's a great illustration of faith. What faith does is it, it looks to what it can't see by hearing your word, saying, I choose to believe that highest reality I make that the highest authority in my life, and your word, God, becomes my highest reality. You're my king. I live in your kingdom, and I do things your way. I live life your way, and you take care of me. Now, Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves to a future where we're more aware of your kingdom. We ask that you open up our mind to receive your word in a greater way than ever before. Father, cause us to have a, a desire after you a heart to recognize we can't do this alone. We won't do it well. We can't have your best without loving you with all of our heart. Heavenly Father, wherever Jesus hasn't been made Lord yet, we're giving you room to come in and speak into our heart, speak into our life. Come in and take possession of this house. Live big in me, Lord Jesus. Live so big in me that I'm overwhelmed by the goodness of your love and so thankful every day for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.